let's face it, we're all going to need help with our writing at some point. You know, I, as a teacher, I'm really dedicated to empowering students to be able to independently problem solve. And the reality is we still need help from the ground, at least sometimes. So finding the right teacher for you and your horse is a really important decision. And riding, competing, training, and teaching are all separate skill sets, and not every professional is talented with all of them. So in order to really learn from someone, you're going to have to trust them. So when it comes to choosing your instructor, choose wisely. So in this podcast, I'm going to share some of my thoughts on how you can make an excellent choice and find an instructor that you can really thrive and progress with. So here we go. Episode five, how to choose your teacher. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. Finding the right teacher for every stage of your development is no easy task. It's going to take a combination of courage and skepticism and also vulnerability and trust. You know, it, it's totally worth it, though, and it really is necessary. You know, the late, great dressage master Walter Zettel, who I was lucky enough to spend a little time with and meet, he was so right when he said that dressage is a matter of trust. That was the name of one of his books. And, you know, today, more than ever, students have so many choices. We have an ability to travel, um, the internet, you know, all of these things open up a world of possibilities. But unfortunately, it also uh, opens up the possibility for a world of confusion. And I've seen lots of students pay a lot of money for lessons that leave them uh, crying in the barn, <laughs> you know, and, and often that's simply because they are in the wrong training situation and or, or getting the wrong advice for them. So someone can be a really um, cr a credentialed uh, performer, competition writer. It doesn't mean that they're a great teacher and there can be great teachers, but there can also be mismatches. It's just the wrong teacher for you and your horse at that time. So it's really up to you, the student, to know what you want and then uh, choose the teacher that is right for you. So how do you do that? <laughs> That's what this podcast is going to be about. Um, I think I'll just give you some things to consider. So first of all, you've got to know what you are trying to achieve. Where do you want to go? It's really hard to arrive at your destination if you're not sure where you want to go. So, you know, I'm, I'm very much a go with the flow kind of person, but I think there's a difference between um, having a goal and then 
changing it based on information you're getting about the truth of the present moment and uh, just wandering aimlessly and randomly. So here's the thing, not, not everyone is going to have the same goals as you do. Even if you say that you're a jumping rider or you're, you want to learn dressage, that's still going to leave uh, a wide range of ultimate outcomes. Some people are more competitive based. They want to be nationally or internationally competitive. Some people want to just be able to do some dressage and then, hit, you know, hit the trail. <laughs> some want to um, have an education and want to learn on a schoolmaster. And they're not really concerned with the, the quality of gait as much as just the ease of learning the movements. So here's the thing. If you aren't clear about what your personal goals are, you're going to end up frustrated by the results you're getting. And it's not because you, you aren't successful in doing what maybe the teacher asks, but it's because you didn't realize that where you want to go is not the same place that that teacher is taking you. So if you aren't sure what you want to do, just start by making some lists of things that would make you feel happy and proud of, right? You know, just start with a list and like, well, if I could just, you know, learn flying changes, I, you know, I'd die happy. <laughs> you know? Or if you go, you know, I'd really like to try a local show. I don't care if I win. I just want to try it. Or you might be thinking, you know, I really want to be considered. I want to be, you know, on the team. I want to represent the United States. And you've got to acknowledge these without judgment, without an editor, write down your goals. We have time to, you know, become realistic about them later, but write them down, find out what's in your head. And then after you go through that list and you, you're kind of happy with the, you know, yeah, okay, this is actually a list that I really do want to do. Like, I really do want to, to achieve these things. Then the next step is if you do have an instructor, make sure you share it with your instructor and they can then start to give you advice or tell you you're crazy. And then hopefully you either, either they give you a good reason for saying that or you find a different teacher, <laughs> but you start to match up. What are my goals? And then, you know, is this teacher gonna take me there? So then the next part, now that you know kind of where you wanna go, is to assess yourself. So where are you now? And this is again where I, you want to realistically and truthfully describe your current skill set and see if you can do it without emotion and without judgment. It's not saying that you're, you know, better or worse than anybody else. It's just the facts. <laughs> it's just what is. Um, describe also what you can and can't do. So maybe you don't know how to describe yourself. You know, in dressage, we have levels. So we can say, oh, I'm a second level writer. But maybe you don't even know how to describe that. So you can start with just having a list of going, okay, well, sitting the trot is challenging. Um, transitions, walk to trot, I can do those, you know. <laughs> so just start describing what you clearly know that you can do and what you clearly know you can't do. And then we can compare that to what you want to do. And you're, you're going to already start getting so much information. And, you know, you may not know exactly what you need, you know, then, but then hopefully 
you know, you, your instructor can help you out. So if you start saying, I really need to learn how to pee off, or I really need to learn how to do this, um, your instructor might veto that and go, no, actually, what you really need to learn is this. Um, but that's okay. That's how you practice having self-awareness, right? You, you practice thinking about it, assessing to your best of your ability, comparing notes with someone experienced, and then listening and learning. And then you can find new ways of describing and self-assessing. So another part of self-assessing is to find ways of measuring your results. Um, whether that's, um, again, things on a checklist that you want to accomplish or things like your competition scores, you know, okay, I've done first level test. I've done a second level test. I got these particular scores, you know, all these things are going to give you insight into where you are right now. And it's going to be really valuable information, uh, for a teacher that you want to get advice from. It's the sort of things that I ask uh, when someone comes up to me and says, you know, hey, I have this goal. This is what I want to do. And then often, you know, the next thing I ask is, well, the next thing I ask is why. And that's another good thing to think of. Like, why do you want to compete? Like, what's the feeling you're going for? That's another piece. Um, but I also ask, like, well, what are you doing right now? And you want to... Uh, this is where you want to step back and kind of look around a little bit and see what the choices are. So for example, there was um, a time when I was working back at this dressage facility. It was a big training barn and the, the person working in the office said, Hey, you know, this person called, um, I think this would be a perfect student for you. You know, they sound really advanced. So I was like, okay, good. So I talked, I got her on the phone and, and I, you know, I said exactly what I said, what are you currently you know, what's your current level of ability right now? And she's like, oh, well, I can do everything. And I just need help with, you know, and she listed some things. And I'm thinking, my picture was it's a Grand Prix rider. And, you know, she's saying she needs help with transitions and, you know, sitting the horse she has. I'm like, okay, that sounds, that sounds fun. You know, that sounds exciting. And, um, and so I asked her a little bit more and she started getting confused. And uh, she said, yeah, I, I mean, I do everything. I do walk, trot, and canter. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, that's a different version of everything. So my point is, um, as a student, it's really important to step back and go, okay, where am I in my range of things? If I have dressage goals, I want to find a dressage instructor, how can I rate my level of experience? And if you take a minute to look at like what the range of dressage is, and you can only walk, trot, and canter, you might not say, I can do everything. <laughs> um, so another, another reason for having um, that checklist of, of things that you can do and things that you want to do is that you can um, start to take responsibility for your learning, right? And you want to be able to notice are you progressing? Are you plateauing? Or are you backsliding? And that really is your responsibility as a student. And, um, and if you have questions about that, because sometimes it can feel like we're backsliding, but we're not really backsliding. We're just doing harder stuff. <laughs> and it's normal to feel like things are a little more challenging. So this often happens with students that are like, oh, I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. I'm keep, I keep having the same problems. 
And a really good instructor should be able to put it in perspective. And I'll say, yeah, your horse is still falling in with the left shoulder, but now he's falling in the left, on the left shoulder at, you know, fourth level <laughs> instead of training level. So again, you want to find that perspective. Okay, another consideration is uh, to find teachers who have achieved what you're trying to achieve. Now that might sound really obvious, but you'd be surprised how many students end up with teachers um, who have never achieved the goal that the student is trying to achieve. Now your teacher's student, your, your teacher's results don't have to be exactly what you're aiming for, but make sure that they're close enough to the kind of results that you want. And here's where um, it's important to not make assumptions. You know, don't make assumptions about um, what a teacher has or hasn't done. And it's really fair to do some research and look at what they've done. Look at the horses that they've trained. Um, look at the students that they've taught. Um, are the qualities that this teacher is creating the ones that you value? Right, and we'll talk a little bit more about sort of priorities and principles and qualities that we value. But if you're, you know, this might be an Olympic champion rider, but you really value relaxation and suppleness. And this rider is known for like electric power. You know, it might not be a good match because there's so many different flavors of dressage, even within correct dressage. You also want to make sure you know, does this teacher have a proven system or do they just have a story? So a lot of times um, teachers will, will come up quickly and all of a sudden they had a great result or they did something really cool and now everybody wants to learn that thing from them. And it turns out that they just have this cool story. They had this one horse and they had this one success. And, you know, I'm not discounting it. It's, it's, those things alone can be really impressive and you can learn from them. But not every teacher has a system that they have proven can work and problem solve through the range of problems that come up with a certain range of students and horses. So how many successes do they have through their own horses and their own students? Is it many or just one? Um, and again, it doesn't mean they all have to be Olympic champions. It's just in the niche where they're teaching, which hopefully you're comparing it to the niche that you're in and or the level that you are, do they have multiple successes with people like you, with horses like yours? I think it's a really good thing to ask. And it's, it's perfectly reasonable for you to ask that question and do your research. Uh, he, another thing you want to look at, this for me is really important to me because authentic um, communication, integrity is really high up on my list of priorities, but do, does, do their actions match their words? Um, there's been people that I've seen, professionals that I've seen who have written books and their books are, they just sound amazing. And I'm so inspired by the book. And then I see it in action and I'm like, huh, <laughs> you know, and again, it does not negate the book. It just says, okay, this person, I'm inspired by their book. It doesn't necessarily mean I have to jump in with, I was going to say all four feet, <laughs> all six feet, my feet, my two feet and my horse's four feet. 
you know, you can, some people are better writers than they are teachers or trainers. It, it doesn't matter. It's all okay. Just make sure you observe. Uh, so do actions match their words? Make sure that their actions are more than just luck or more than just talk. Okay, the next part, am I making it sound really complicated to find a teacher? I don't think so. I just, it's a great thing to explore and talk about. And then really in the end, you're going to probably just trust your gut instincts. Um, but here's another factor to consider. Understand the scope of the system or the teacher that you're considering. So many specialists actually have a, a they may have a narrow expertise. Again, perfectly fine, as long as you're aware of that. Make sure you really understand what your teacher's scope of focus is. Do they enjoy and specialize in teaching students just like you at your level? Do they excel with a certain type of rider or horse or skill set? You know, do they specialize in taking really hot horses and calming them down? Or do they specialize in taking really dull horses and livening them up? Do they specialize in taking competitive people and like maximizing their test riding and scores? Do they, are they good at overcoming fear in horses or students? You know, often they'll have a specialty. And some trainers don't even realize what their specialty is. Now I work with professionals and mentor them in the, <clears throat> in the sort of business part of the business. And one of the things that I really um, tempt them to highlight is to know their specialties. What is their unique area of genius? And I help them be really good at describing it because sometimes it's, it's hard. You're, you're, the students probably know what that teacher specializes in, but sometimes the, the, teacher doesn't. So you might have to ask, or you might just have to observe and go, huh, this, they really seem to light up under these kind of circumstances. And do you match that? So an upper level competition specialist may not be the best for you if you actually have foundational issues with your horse and no competition goals. Here's the thing. Sometimes the instructor will still teach you and still take your money even though you are out of their range of expertise. And again, it might be unconscious that they just, they don't realize why it's not a match either <laughs> because they haven't stopped to think about what their system is and what their unique genius is. They just think I can teach everybody. Not realizing that, you know, they really are not good at teaching everybody. And some people are just not as ethical and they'll, they'll phone it in. And they'll continue to say stuff to you for an hour once a week and take your money. And they don't really care if you progress or not. And, you know, maybe that sounds a little harsh, but it's, it's the truth. There are really terrible teachers out there and there are really amazing teachers out there. And it's up to you to figure out which one is which. So the bottom line is not all systems know them. Not all systems know themselves. Not all instructors know themselves well enough to know what their specialty is. And not all instructors even know that they have a system that you're able or not able to fit in. So um, 
do your research and make sure. So here's another part. Am I giving you enough to think about? <laughs> All right. So back to your responsibility for knowing what, what you want. And he, he, this next part is really going to help you match. Um, yeah. Mat, match with someone who's going to be a good fit. Know your own principles and priorities and then compare them to the principles and priorities of the person or system that you're, you're wanting to learn from. You, you want to find a teacher who aligns with your principles and priorities. So you might like a teacher's or a trainer's results, but you may not at all like the process that they used to get them. And I see this all the time. So sometimes the end result, you know, the means is very different than the ends. And remember, if you're wanting to enjoy the process of learning, then you're going to want to know what that process is. So if you and your horse get along well enough and you're able to do what an instructor asks, then it's really actually easy to get tips from a wide range of people. Right? So if you and yours get along and if one teacher says faster tempo and you can ask your horse to go faster and he goes faster, then cool. You know, and then if you if another one says, okay, slow down or more bend, and you know how to ask that from your horse, like you're gonna be able to fit into a lot of different systems because stuff's working, right? But the real truth comes out when you're having challenges. And Philip Carl was one who's who says uh, the measure of a system is not how it works for the most talented, but how it, well it works for the least talented. And I totally agree and want to expand it to say the measure of a system is not how well it works in the easy moments, but how well it handles the difficult moments. So how do you handle the process? The job of any system or teacher is to solve problems. And sometimes that means admitting that they don't have the answers, that they're not the right teacher for this horse, or that they don't have all the answers. Beware of teachers who think that they are the only ones who know, who know what's right and everybody else's system is wrong. For me, that's a red flag. <laughs> I think all teachers and all trainers have come across horses and students that we just can't find a way to get through to. And it's not the horse's fault. It's not the student's fault. It's, I always take it as my fault. I don't, I haven't figured out how to work with that. And I'll be the first one to say, you know what? I don't think there's something missing and I don't know what it is. And, you know, I'll help you find somebody else that can help you um, because I start feeling bad taking people's money if I feel like I can't get results. So beware of the trainer who's going to um, blame it on you or your horse if things aren't working. That's not your fault as the student. It's the system's fault because the job of the system or the teacher is to problem solve. <laughs> so you're going to want to know what happens when things are not working. 
Do they yell and scream at you? Do they get more forceful? Do they say things like, this horse or student is a problem or stupid or untalented? You know, that's a red flag. Find out, you know, observe, go follow some students back to the barn after their lessons. Are they crying? Are they, you know, what is it like? What happens when the horse, the trainer's riding a horse and it's not going well? And then imagine yourself being in that moment and having trusted and put yourself in that teacher's hands. So it comes down to what are the principles and priorities that they work within or that guide them? So let me give you some examples of principles and priorities. And these are things that I have on my website. So in, in, on my website, when I talk about what is dressage naturally, or you can click a button that says, you know, my methodology, um, I have a whole page on principles and priorities because I want my students to know what they are so that we can know if it's a match. And these are not better or worse than anybody else's. It's just what I am. And some people these will match with and some people they won't. And that's totally fine with me that you find that out right up front. So um, here's the thing with principles and priorities. They're going to sound really nice. They're going to sound really positive, but they're not just empty positive words. These are things that will drive my decision-making process when I'm training and teaching. All right, so principles. I'll just go over list. I'm going to go down a list of principles kind of fast. So one, the basics of dressage are for the horse and should feel good to the horse. Number two, everything comes from and returns to relaxation. Next one, mental, emotional, and physical development are equal doorways to our goal. Next one, precision arrives out of the possibilities that playfulness creates. Next one, dressage can only be as good as the partnership, communication, biomechanics, and riding skills combined. Two more. <laughs> Horsemanship and life are lessons in lightness, and you can get serious results without having to be so serious all the time. And the last one, uh, horses and humans seek harmony if given the opportunity. So now, I could have probably added a ton more on that list, and I have done that in the past, but I think that's a good solid list, and we can keep it at that. So what does that look like in action? You know, it's a nice list, Karen, sounds great. I'm ready for the, like, Miss America speech, right? But the, again, they drive decisions. So these, these are my go-tos. So for example, if I run into a training challenge, these principles remind me to keep lighthearted about it rather than getting angry. So, you know, hey, we all get frustrated. This is, you know, it's just reality. However, I'm not going to let myself get too far down that road because one of my guiding principles is lightheartedness. So if I start getting frustrated, boy, I try to check myself really quickly <laughs> and take a break because I'm not going down that road. Um, I would take that moment to look at mental, emotional, and physical aspects of the challenge, right? Well, is my horse confused or is he scared or is there some physical thing going on? Is he tight somewhere? Is he out of alignment? It also means that I'm going to 
check on my general partnership and my own writing skills and quality of communication. And it means I'm going to choose solutions that might be more playful and give opportunities for harmony, right? Because those are all on my list. So it's, it's a, that's how they drive my decisions. Those are the things I'm going to be thinking about, not just, come on, sucker, you're being lazy. What's wrong with you, you dumb horse? You have to listen to my aides. Oh yeah, you're not? Well, I'm going to put a spur on. <laughs> so, you know, it all sounds really obvious till I give you a contrast and then you guys can think, oh yeah, I've met a trainer like that before. Yell, scream, hit, whack, push, dominate, stuff like that. So, you know, there's definitely moments when I'm with a horse where I'm, I might choose to, you know, be effective and I might be strong with my aides for a minute and say, hey, come on. <laughs> you got this. But as a whole, I can do that while keeping a lighthearted attitude, while thinking of the mental, emotional, physical, and the quality of the communication, etc. So again, I am far from perfect. So this list all sounds very nice. You know, every moment is a new moment. But what I can say is I consciously do my best to keep my principles in the front of my mind. I try to be highly aware if I start straying from them. And that way I know when I can stop, reassess, recenter, and get curious and try to figure out another way of doing things. Because <laughs> obviously the first way that I tried wasn't working. So priorities. Let's give some examples of priorities. Uh, I have three that I picked here. Uh, you can start by listing your priorities. You might come out with a list of 10 or 12 priorities, but um, these I whittled down to three of top priorities. And this is, these are going to sound kind of general, right? So I could, I could be doing a list of priorities for dressage training, but I, you guys know me by now, I love to start big picture and then narrow in. And if we don't have the big picture, the little details aren't going to matter. So top priorities, number one, commitment to a never-ending quest for self-awareness and self-improvement so I can be my best for my horse. Absolutely top of the list. My horses cannot be any better than I am, <laughs> right? So I have to be self-aware and then understand what's the cause and effect of what I'm doing and how can I be better. So number two priority is to give my horse an enjoyable life, including freedom, forage, and friends, because I have to remember that, my, that their lives are my responsibility. And it's hard to say which comes first. You know, how could I put that as number two? I, I kind of, in my mind, they're, they're all on the same level. It's one, two, three. These three things are all a top priority. <laughs> all right. But the third one is to understand and communicate with my horses and help them carry me in a healthy way. So the purpose of understanding and communicating with them in a dressage sense is so that they can, they can carry me in a healthy way, which goes back to one of those principles, which is dressage should be for the horse. So what do priorities look like in action? Number one, these priorities are going to keep me and my horses happy, right? And so 
if I know my priorities, I know that I cannot learn from a teacher whose systems or methods won't allow me to keep those priorities, right? So how, if these are my top priorities, how much fun is it going to be if I have a teacher who um, undermines my self-awareness, you know, who undermines my confidence in my self-awareness? You know, I think it feels horrible. My horse is leaning on me. My trainer says, good. And I go, but he's leaning on me. And they're like, doesn't matter. It looks good. <laughs> and I'm like, it can, that confuses me. <laughs> That's, I, I can tell it doesn't feel good. Um, and maybe they undermine my self-improvement. Hey, you better not ever ride that horse on your own. You're going to ruin him. <laughs> oh, I would have a hard time with that. Now, if a teacher can say, hey, right now, I think you should not do this one exercise and only do it in lessons with me because I really want to make sure that we're really particular, you know, that's different. But so that's just like working together as a team. But if I had a teacher that undermined my self-awareness and my confidence to improve on my own, um, I would find that really deeply the what's the opposite of resonance <laughs> there'd be dissonance <laughs> okay so then also what if i was with a teacher who was like you shouldn't turn your horse out he's gonna waste all his energy out in the pasture he needs to stay in his stall and we only feed one flake of hay you know, three times a day and don't let them touch any other horses. These horses are all really expensive and I don't want your horse touching any other horse. So yeah, maybe for a night, one day, two days, three days at a competition or something like that. But if that was how my horse had to stay in order to train with a trainer, I personally could not do that. Because my top prior, one of my top priorities is that my horse has a horsey kind of enjoyable lifestyle. So, of course, there's always adjustments based on our actual realities. And if, you know, not all of us have 24-7 turnout for horses, I'll do another podcast on this. You know, we make compromises, but you can even it out, right? So maybe they don't have 24-7 turnout, but you give them some sorts of freedom and forage and friends to make up for it. it just means you're trying to do your best in the situation but if i had a, a instructor that really didn't believe in that i could go learn something from them for sure but it would be hard to be in a complete program with them and then the third priority um you know understand and communicate with my horse and help them carry me in a healthy way so you know that is if I'm with a teacher who's not trying to um, seek understanding and communication, there's trying to like control, tighten the nose band, put bigger spurs on, put a bigger bit on, don't let him get away with that, make him do it, just keep your leg on, um, you know, and the horse is getting tighter and more miserable, and now we have to inject their hocks, you know, and the, you know the road I'm talking about going down, I don't want to go down that road. So for me, the most satisfying thing with horses is that they, they've, I feel like I'm talking to them. 
and they understand me and they feel just as good like woo that was a great ride you know because they feel like they're athletic and loose and supple and flexible and all these good things um and we both feel like that happened so i'm not going to be able to be happy long term in a system that um you know that doesn't allow that to happen so by remembering the three priorities listed above i know that i can stay in a happy calm state where i can problem solve with a happy horse and from there anything else can be figured out right because i'm committing to being self-aware and improving myself and having a happy horse that has a happy lifestyle and we're focusing on communication with each other and that he's can carry me healthily like that i know if i do that then i'm gonna have you know we're gonna be getting along <laughs> and then i want a teacher who preserves that and doesn't get in the way of that because no upper level dressage movement is worth violating those priorities for me that's just me. I'm not saying that that's the right or the wrong. That's just me. And I say I can make temporary compromises based on reality, but those are the ones I'm going to live in. All right. So another, another thing to think about when you're shopping for a, a teacher is to make sure that you know how to follow a system. So using what I've already talked about, you should be able to find a teacher that you can love to learn from. So yay, celebrate. That's already an accomplishment. And if you can find one teacher, that's going to be less confusing than jumping from one teacher to another, getting tips and tricks, but not really understanding how to put them together. So you want, you know, that's the beauty of finding a teacher. You can follow the system. But follow, following a system, it's not like you just show up and okay, I'm just going to show up every day and then my teacher's going to teach me. So you need to know some things about the art of following a system. Whether And this is whether you're following a system to learn to knit if you're training for a marathon, if you're learning to play piano, it's always going to be a bit of a hero's journey. So you start out all happy and excited about your new plan, and then you meet some challenges. You get to a point where you're wondering if you're ever going to do it. You overcome the, cha the challenges and you ultimately achieve success. Yay! So that's the hero's journey. And that can actually be a bit of an emotional roller coaster and you're going to learn a lot about yourself. And if you've never experienced going through that process in a system, sometimes that can get really um, confusing to navigate through that whole hero's journey. You get to the first challenge, it gets hard, you think you're never going to make it and then you quit. Or you go, well, this teacher must not be it. I need to find a new one. So, you know, there's always these paradoxes. I'm saying, you know, make sure you've got the right teacher. But I don't mean that just because things are getting hard means you need to switch teachers. That's why you want to be so sure about the teacher that you're choosing, because even with the best teacher, 
things are going to get hard. They should. You're trying to do things that you don't yet know how to do, right? So that's kind of the nature of learning. So students might give up when it gets really hard. They might think there's something wrong with them. Sometimes they assume that a big challenge means they need a new horse when in actuality, it's just a normal part of the process and you got to learn how to go beyond yourself. And, you know, you are going to need help going through this. So an excellent system or teacher will be able to help you move through this process. Um, good systems and teachers should have support or at least compassionate understanding built into this. They shouldn't make you feel dumb when you get to the hard stuff. They should say, hey, been there. I understand. You know, this is actually a normal part of the process. Usually people get a little stuck feeling at this moment and they can talk you through it. Um, you know, and this is again, why you want to observe other students of your prospective teacher um, and ask them, you know, see how support they have felt when they are running into challenges. You know, what's the culture? What's the attitude of that system or that barn or that facility? There's usually a culture that goes along with any particular instructor and just make sure, is that going to work for you? So again, it, make sure you're, you realize that you've got to, once you go through the process of finding the teacher that you want, there is a degree of stick with it. You know, don't be too quick to bail <laughs> when things get tough. So you got to balance that. I'm going, all right, Karen said, stick with it. I got to go through the system. But on the other hand, know your goals. And if too much time goes by and you're not checking off anything on your goals or you're backsliding, then it's a time to sit down and reassess. Maybe you've outgrown that teacher or maybe your teacher forgot what your goals are. Maybe when you got to one goal, you didn't realize that your goal is now different. Maybe you don't want to be on the team anymore and you just want to, you know, get an education or maybe the other way around. You thought you just wanted the schoolmaster, but now you're secretly kind of wishing you were at the show. So really always go back to those, you know, start at the beginning of what we've talked about here. So in the end, you're going to be finding your guide and I love to think of teachers as a guide, right? They can't give you all the answers, but they can, they can show you where to look. Dig here, right? So when you know your principles and priorities, it's going to help you make the best decisions for you and your horse. It'll help you choose an instructor that you can trust. And, and yeah, because if you... <laughs> If you are with a teacher and they're telling you something to do and it's getting a little hard and in the back of your mind, you don't trust them, that's a hard situation. You don't want to be second guessing your instructor. You know, that's, that's why you want to prepare ahead of time. But in the moment of the lesson, you can't be taking a lesson and not trusting or taking a lesson and second guessing or doubting. And I tell my students all the time, hey, if this doesn't sound right to you, or if you feel like you're scared to do what I'm asking you to do, or it really doesn't feel right, like something in your gut is like, oh, I don't think I should do this. Like, stop, 
raise your hand, tell me. Like I want that dialogue as I, I don't want my students trying to do something if they don't trust or understand um, what I'm asking them to do. So for me as a teacher, that's fair game. So you wanna be able to trust. You know, the process of learning and developing yourself is something really quite amazing. And it's even more amazing when we can do it together with a horse. You know, for us, most of us mere mortals, <laughs> we need a guide. We need a mentor. We need a system. It's just necessary. So, you know, right now, it like I said before, it's so exciting because it really is possible to find a mentor beyond your local area. I mean, I didn't have that when I was growing up, <laughs> you know, like the internet's amazing. You know, you can find a methodology that leads to results that has principles you can align with and priorities that you share. You can be a part of a community and a culture of, of horsemanship that feels supportive for you, even if you're in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, I can say that with a lot of confidence because it's what I've been doing in dressage naturally for, you know, <laughs> decades now, a decade and a half at this point. And, you know, I've been teaching remotely. So that really speaks to the power of the principles and the priorities because I can, you know, that's why people gravitate towards me. It's those principles and priorities I can talk to them through my online courses. We can help problem solve and they, I can help them navigate having a local instructor. And I've sometimes helped students realize they need to fire the instructor they have and go to a different one. I've, you know, helped them be more confident and standing in their own power and their own enjoyment of their horsemanship. And I've helped them find local instructors that they really resonate and connect with. So um, that I think is is my role as a remote instructor. That it's never about firing, you know. It's not about necessarily firing your local instructor, but um, it's about creating the the community, the culture, the shared ideas, and then helping you navigate, you know, how to bring that into your local environment and how to be selective and find the teacher that's going to help you for what you exactly need right now with your horse knowing that that might change over time. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.